A few months ago, we did this thing called Meet the Movement. Uh, it was in October, and it was at the Paramount, and there was thousands of, uh, about 1,100, 1,200 people that came. It was an awesome event. But leading up to that event, we, I was a part of the band, and we had a whole bunch of practices. And so I was hanging out with the worship pastor at SGT, Matt Pastor, and we were getting food after a practice, and we were talking about different types of people. Uh, two, like type A, type B. And I just remember saying, like, man, what, is the, what would be the biggest difference? And he gave this analogy, and I thought it was awesome. I want to share with you guys. He said there's two types of people that would stare at a beautiful painting. So he, he just kind of started drawing it out in my mind. He's like, picture the painting right here. It, it, people would stare at the deep colors. They would notice the clouds. They would notice the, the brush strokes, and they would, they would look at the picture, and they would say, wow, that is beautiful. The second type of person would look at that same painting and notice that the frame is crooked and it's off. And as he's telling this, you know like when some people say something like, oh, there's two types of people, you're always hoping you'd be the better one of the types? No. In the Taco Bell drive through that we currently were sitting in the long line, I came to the realization that I'm more like the second person. Like I'd be like, oh, man, that frame is off, while you can be looking at the beautiful picture. And, you know, I realize that this is true in a lot of areas of life. Um, last week, I had the awesome opportunity of going to Disney with my family um, for Katie's Sweet 16. We had an awesome, awesome time. And here's the thing about Disney. Disney is, like, well done to the T. Like, food, sights, themes, like, everything, like, characters. Like, we went to Cinderella's castle, and Cinderella acted like Cinderella. Kind of creeped me out. Because of how serious, like she was just so in character. I'm like, yo, yo, come on, be a person, please. You're scaring me, you know. But because uh, they're so good at what they do. But the thing is, is that Disney is is, is tagline the happiest place on earth. And I have, and I kind of walked in. I'm like, all right, we'll see about that. So, and the thing with me is that I kind of look into everything, and I, and for fun, because I'm sick. I'm like, let's let's see where I can find cracks in this. So one day, the bus driver was so mad at a lady, like so mad, like he yelled at her, and I'm like, ooh, this is good, Mickey Mouse must have pooped in his coffee this morning, because he was so upset, and then when we got off the bus, he's like, have a magical day, I'm like, okay, sir, we know what you're really about, right, so anyway, so, so, you know, and here's the thing, you see parents like sweating, exhausted, this one dad lost his cool, and he was like shoving his daughter into the stroller, using words that I can't say in church. Like, I was like, oh, wow, you know? Like, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. No doubt that place is amazing. I'm kidding. I had an awesome, awesome time. But here's what we can draw from that funny illustration. Often, you and I, even in the happiest place on earth, right, can find flaws or find things to be ungrateful for. And here we just came off of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was a couple of days ago. Maybe you sat with friends, you sat with family, you had an awesome meal. And you maybe were reflecting on what you are thankful for. That is a great time of year for us to hit pause, to be around the ones we love, to slow life down a little bit, and think about what we are thankful for. But then you finish dinner. You turn on the TV, and it's like, boom, it's Christmas time! And it's like, all oh, commercials after one or the other, making you feel like you need to go out and buy. Like, there's this big sale, you're going to miss it. You start going on Instagram. You start scrolling through. You start seeing friends be like, we're done with our Christmas shopping. And, and now you're feeling like, I didn't even start. I don't even know what I want. I didn't even get a list. And we begin to feel this anxiety, right, that we don't have what we 
need. And two seconds ago, we were so grateful. <laughs> but now we're like, oh, I need more, right? And, and here's the thing. Not only in the retail world is that true, because retail is, is programmed. You know, I, I bought a computer, and now it's irrelevant, right? I bought a new phone, and they're going to come out with something better. That's how retail works. That's why we keep buying things, because they keep making things better. It's programmed to make us unhappy with what we have, right? But often, this can trickle into our lives, into our state. Do we feel grateful for what we have, for the things around us, for our job, for the friends and family? And so often, we are programmed to see the negatives, because there's a consistent push to make us feel ungrateful for what we have. And lately, I started to sense this in myself. The way I sensed that was through my beautiful wife. My beautiful wife, she is super, super smart. Um, just to kind of talk about how awesome she is, she's doing like so many things right now. She is uh, finishing grad school. She is doing an internship. She is uh, working at our, our youth group with us. She is helping run the social media team, and she runs the homeless ministry. I think that's five things. I'm definitely missing some stuff. And then she comes to me at the end of the summer and goes, hey, I want to start a website and a blog, and I want to distribute things to the world. I'm like, okay, let's do it. So she, you know, we, we get this thing, and the first thing that she designs for her website is this shirt that says, thankful. It's an awesome shirt, and as a good husband, actually, if you, could, you look up on the screen there, there's my only modeling gig right there. There's me modeling it. That was featured on her Instagram. I feel famous. Probably the only modeling job I'll ever get. Anyway, uh, you can take that down now. But so there's the shirt, okay? And uh, one day I was wearing it like a good husband would, supporting the wife, and, I, you know, the day was rough. It was just a hard day. I don't even really remember the circumstances around it, but it was a hard day. And I remember just at the end of the day, I was looking to change, and I just took the shirt off and kind of threw it on the ground. And I thought to myself, you know what? It's kind of fitting, because I'm not really thankful anyway. And when something that dramatic happens in your mind, it's almost like God kind of knocked on the door of my heart and said, isn't that interesting, Andrew? Kind of like a shirt that you could take on and take off. You could choose to put it on, or you could choose to take it off. That's how thankfulness is. And through reading her blog that she wrote, it kind of inspired this message because I started to go on my own journey of realizing, wow, I don't think I am grateful. And you know how pastors are always like, hey, yeah, today I'm preaching to myself. You know, I don't know why they sounded like they're from the South, but that's how my impersonation played out. Um, but they say, I'm preaching to myself. Well, today this message is for me as much as it is for you. Because the problem is this, that so often... We can be so focused on what makes us ungrateful than that which makes us thankful. And today, this is the war within. We can be ungrateful people. And then when you walked in here, you said, okay, Andrew, whoa, whoa, whoa. The war within, like, okay, that sounds like a really intense title, but we're talking about gratefulness? Like, this is like a bait and switch? Yes. Because most of the time, we don't even think this is a problem. We don't think that we have a gratitude problem. If this was, if the name of this message was called Unthankful, we'd all skip it on the podcast. Maybe if you saw it on the website, you'd be like, you know what? Thanksgiving was a couple of days ago. I'm guessing he's going to say be thankful, so I won't come. And we would skip it. So I named it this. But it is so true. Because a lot of times we can say, well, I don't have a gratitude problem, Andrew. I have a financial problem. I don't have a gratitude problem. I have a family problem. I have a 
a deep anger problem. I have this. Th- those are my problems, Andrew, today. I didn't walk in here with a gratitude. If those things were solved, yes, I would be grateful. See, we don't think it's an issue, but the truth here is this, is that when we have an ungrateful spirit, it directly affects how we handle our issues and how we live our lives. See, when we are in an unthankful state, we are in tunnel vision. All we can see is what we don't have, what's not going right, so our heart and our soul stays there trying to change it. In the process, we miss out on what we did have, on what God was doing. A wise person named Andy Bernard from The Office said this, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you actually left them. Man, that was like a sad moment in the series. It was just like so solid when he said it, right? Because here's the thing. Sometimes we don't know what we have until it's already gone. Or we're too focused on what we had to do that we didn't like and we can miss out. I I was talking to Doug and the guys recently and I was saying, you know, it is very frustrating to come in on a Friday and have to set all this up, you know? And then at the end of today when we're exhausted and tired, we have to take it all down. You know, but the camaraderie, the fun that is created, it's, I kind of said, you know what, I feel like we're going to look back on this time and realize that they were the good old days. And, and here's the thing, I kind of said, let's try to enjoy it now, and there's certain days where we're just having a blast, and there's certain days where we're like, I want to go, right? But that's life. And so sometimes we miss out on things because we're so focused on the hard things before us. I was talking to a friend recently, and I said, you know, hey man, how's it going? Like, how's your life going? And, and he started to open up and he said, you know what, man, life is just, life's a mixed bag right now. There's just a lot of stuff going on, good, bad, it just, just it's going to be overwhelming. And, and I thought to myself, that is so true. Because here's why we're talking about this today. Because at any given point in life, life can both simultaneously be sweet, but it could also be sour. Life can be joyful, but it could also be sorrowful. There could be some sorrowful things going on at the same time. Life could be restful, but it also could be stressful. And so at any given time, there's so much going on at once. And I jokingly but seriously looked at my friend and I said, you know what? And I needed this to hear this myself. I said, when life gives you a mixed bag, sometimes we've got to reach deep down into that bag and learn how to find the candy. Yeah, it was a little weird, but it worked. But that's the truth. Sometimes we need to learn how to find the good in the tough season because at any given time, we will have to deal with both because there's always going to be something to be unthankful for. And if we let that consume us, which a lot of times we do, we become blind to what God wants to do and how he wants to lead us out. And so long before we can deal with our outside issues, the finances, the anger, the relationship, the, the, the school, whatever it may be for you here today, we need to deal with the war within. And that's our consistent struggle with ungratefulness. Because what's at stake is this, that unthankful spirit keeps us in the dark cloud that you and I want to escape anyway. It keeps us in a cycle. We don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. We don't let God provide. So today I want to snap us out of that. If you're not a Christian here this morning, we're glad you're with us. And and, and maybe you too have struggled with, yeah, like life kind of hands me some cards sometimes that make me ungrateful. I hope you see that we are genuine people here who just want to follow Jesus. I hope you would feel comfortable to ask questions and to join us as we dive into the scriptures this morning. 
and see what God's word has to say about this topic. Because here's the truth for all of us. If thankfulness or gratefulness is something we can choose to put on or take off, then we have a choice. So it's important. We know how to make it. So we're going to be in 2 Chronicles today, chapter 20. And this is King Jehoshaphat. He was the king of Judah. He finds himself in a strange and tough situation. And in this text, we're going to see two things. Two things that we can do to combat our ungratefulness and deal with our hearts. And there's one thing that I want us to remember when we're done with that. But we're going to see a counterintuitive way to deal with our issues. And I think as we kind of look into this, we're going to see some victory in our lives here this morning. So, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, starts like this. Now it came about after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon together with some of the Meunites came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea out of Aram. So, king hanging out in his throne room gets... The, the, um, the news that three separate nations are sending armies his way. And so they're on their way to attack. In verse 3, he, it says this, Jehoshaphat was afraid. Jehoshaphat was afraid. So right off the bat, we see he's a normal guy like you and me. Maybe he knows the numbers. He should know the numbers as the king, right, of you know, how many forces they have or don't have. And he genuinely was afraid because this great multitude was coming against him. Have you ever felt like a great multitude of problems and issues have almost declared war on you? Whether it be at work, whether it be family drama, whether it be finances, whether we all have a great multitude that can surround us. And see, when we face issues in our life, we need to have the right heart to fight those issues. And this is the fork in the road for King Jehoshaphat, who was afraid. We can see two very different outcomes of this story based on how he deals with his battle within. One could be victory, or one could be defeat. And maybe you might be saying, okay, this is cool, but what does this have to do with being unthankful? And see, like fear has the ability to distort, so does being unthankful. Because fear pulls you and I to a false reality, what could happen, what we might have to deal with, what the consequences could be, right? But likewise, when we live ungratefully, it distorts us and we become blind to all the good around us. All we can see is darkness, what we don't have, what's not working. We become like passengers waiting for a bus, Anxious to head to a future destination, but we are not living in the now. We're living for a future that hasn't happened yet. We can become reactive instead of proactive. What do you mean by that? Well, have you ever, you know, learned from YouTube something that, you know, you otherwise wouldn't if you have a solid video? Well, to prove this point, as I was scouring through YouTube, or maybe you've seen this video, there's a video of scaring gone wrong. You ever see those videos? where someone like jumps out and scares someone and something bad happens. Well, there's this one video 
where this kid is interviewing someone in his school, and he's like, well, what are you going to do for Halloween, man? And, you know, he's talking to him, and uh, as that happens, a, a guy with a wolf mask jumps out of a garbage can, maybe you've seen it, and the kid, the poor kid, just terrified, just immediately punches the kid in the face, just like he needs to defend himself, and then he immediately realizes, wow, this is a prank, you know, like, and his natural reaction was to punch, right? Sometimes when something happens, right, the, the re- reaction that we have isn't the best, right? It's based off of a moment. It's based off of fear. It's based off of whatever may be the case. And see, when we are reactive, we can respond on how we feel in the situation or moment. But when we're proactive, we live on purpose. We live aware we live with precision. So often, you and I can be so stuck in our heads, what we don't have, what's not going right, what we're discouraged about, that we lose our vision completely. We lose our ability to enjoy anything. We lose the ability to see what God is trying to do in our circumstances, and we miss out altogether. And so long before we even start the fight, we lose the fight. And so that's why this morning the war starts within. King Jehoshaphat is afraid, but look what happens in verse 3. He was afraid, King Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. He proclaimed a fast. He got the people together. In the face of a tough situation, his response was, I am going to seek the Lord. And so often when it comes to you and I, we can retract when things get hard. Or more often when things get busy, we can begin to, you know, maybe wake up in the morning. I know the temptation for me, normally I wake up and I'll, I'll start studying the scriptures. I'll try to start my day off right. But when I'm busy and so much is going on, sometimes I leave the Bible on the, on the, and on the shelf and I, I just run to start working because I got to get stuff done, right? We could do that. Man, you know, hey God, listen, <laughs> I would spend time with you, but I have all this to worry about and I, I'm praying about it, but you're not doing anything, so I'm going to do this, Right? That could be our natural response. But here we see the king does the absolute opposite. And so the first thing we see from this text is this. In thankless situations, turn your attention to seek the Lord. It's the first thing we see in this text. Thankless situations, turn your attention to seek the Lord. We can avoid a lot of conflict if we begin to learn how to ask the question, God, what are you doing in this season? What are you trying to show me through this? If we ask God that question. Now, we could sit here and argue, well, did God let it happen? Did I cause this? Regardless of what you may face or the theology behind it, right, we know this, that God takes messes and he makes them into masterpieces. And so today, there can, whether your situation is really tough or just really discouraging, there is always something that God can bring good out of it. And so when we begin to ask him, God, what are you trying to show me through this? There's always something to learn there's always a way for us to grow, for our heart to get bigger, right? And maybe we wouldn't have been able to do that if everything was the way we wanted it. And see, though you can't change what you face, what can change is your mindset. Though you can't change what happens to you, what you can change is your mindset. And, and here's the thing. This is where we need the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of us, we can't change our mindset by ourselves. We need God. And so though we can't change what we face, 
we can seek God that he would change our mindset. This is why we've been on an all-out push here for worship. We've been explaining, I mean, worship is something we do in the walls and we do outside the walls, of course. But when we gather together corporately and sing, there's such power in that. And as a church, we've been trying to just encourage you and, and encourage our worship leaders to equip you with being able to, like, they're the tour guide and they're bringing you through, hey, we're going to worship with these songs and we're going to go. And, and that's why we've been pushing because we realize that when we take the focus off of us, everything gets clearer. And that's exactly what the people do here in verse 4. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all of the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. This morning as I was running through this message, I realized there's so many of us from different towns and different cities that that, that come together. And so I was like, that's kind of cool. We all are gathering here. And so that's what the people did. They gathered. They decided to seek the Lord. They weren't counting their weapons They weren't lining up their chariots. They weren't trying to come up with a backup plan to escape. No, they're saying, you know what? We know that the odds are not in our favor. We're going to go and seek God because we want to turn the tables on this. And the king stands before the people. And we just skip ahead in some verses here. But he stands before the people and he begins to pray this amazing prayer. And he begins to remind God of all the promises all the things that he's promised in his scriptures, all the things he's promised to them. And we pick it up in verse 12 at the end of his prayer. He says, oh, our God, will you not judge them? And those are the three nations that are coming against. We do not judge those nations. For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But check it. But our eyes are on you eyes are on you. We are powerless to defend that which is coming at us, but we choose to not run. We choose to put our eyes on you. A bunch of years ago, I don't even remember. That's how long ago. Uh, We went to see a band. I don't remember the band. I just remembered that I was close to the stage. And here's the thing. When I was a young kid in my teens, I liked going to see concerts, but then I grew up and realized I'm so short People are so much taller. I'm squished in. I can't see anything. I can't hear anything. And everyone is sweaty. Why am I paying for this, you know? But before I realized that, um, I was in a show, and I was watching this band, and there was, you know, I was with one of my friends, and there was a girl next to me. She was taller than me. She was bigger than me. And she was with her boyfriend, and we were all kind of cuddled in together, and, you know. And, you know, I'm just trying to, like, see the band. And before I can realize it, she's gone. This girl's gone. I'm like, oh, okay, a little bit more room. And then I look up, and she's on the stage. And I didn't realize this. And, and, and so before I could do anything, I was powerless to react. She jumps and thinks this is a great time to stage dive. I still remember her smile. She was so optimistic. And here's the thing. When you stage dive, people catch you, and you crowd surf, right? She was so hoping for that. No. Everyone step back. Except for me, I didn't get the memo. I was kind of like, oh, what's going on with the floor here? Because that's all I could see. Everyone steps back. It felt like there was a mosh pit with me in the center. And she just jumps, and I'm like, this is not a pool. I am not water. And kind of like a Matrix move, I went like this. And she hit my hands, you know, like hit my hands, fell and hit the ground so hard. That's all I remember about that day, right? And it was just that. And the boyfriend, it starts to laugh. 
But then he realized she's hurt. And he looks at me like it was my fault. And I'm like, sir, you stepped back. You know? And here's the thing. I couldn't do anything about it. Because I didn't see her coming. I was powerless to defend it. Now, here's the thing. Maybe life has sent a stage diving problem at you today. Something that you didn't see coming. And even when you did, there was just literally nothing you could do about it. And, and maybe no one was around to help. The problem with that is often we can just kind of collapse into ourselves, right? But the people, what they did here is they gathered together, they prayed, but they, more than that, remembered what God has done for them. Remember, the king was listing all the things that God has done for the nation, right? And they remembered what God has done for them, and they kept their eyes on him. So the second thing that we see in this text here this morning is that we need to remember what God has done for us. We need to remember what he has done for us. See, when we focus on what we have been given, then we could start to move forward. So often we're aware of what we don't have. But maybe God has given you something in this season of your life to take, to steward, and to work well. But maybe we've neglected that thing because we're so focused on what's not going right, on what we need to fix. And that's why it's important we take time to remember what he's done. As we fast forward here, through that prayer session, the people get an answer from God. God says, I will be with you. Go and fight. And so they, they go and they, they rose early in the morning and they went out to the wilderness. And look what it says in verse 21. And when he, King Jehoshaphat, had counseled with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and to those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord. For his loving kindness is everlasting. So let's unpack that a little bit. I don't know what happened, but King Jehoshaphat counseled with the people. And remember, all these people are praying. All these people are, though they're scared, they're, they're keeping their eyes on God, right? And they come to this conclusion that it would be a great idea to put the worship team first. We'll send them out first. We'll put the army behind them. The people with the weapons will be back there. The people with the instruments will be up there. Now, two things about that. One, either they had faith that you and I don't, or they really hated their worship team. <laughs> like, I just picture myself in that situation. It's a modern-day war. There's snipers. There's grenades. There's explosions everywhere, and they're like, oh, we're really, oh, man, we're really doing bad on the front lines here. Uh, you know, Sergeant, we need help. Oh, yes, don't worry. I got, we got some backup. Oh, yeah? Yeah, his name's Andrew Muller. Does he got grenades? Does he got a rocket launcher? What's he got? Like, no, 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 better than that. He's got a guitar and he could sing a mean worship chorus. You know, like that would not work. <laughs> we would not defeat ISIS by having me with this thing, like, ha! Don't sound bite that. Thanks, Brendan, for letting me use your guitar. Um, you know, that wouldn't work, but here's what I love about this story is that the people were focused on where God had them, so something ridiculous like that was not ridiculous, it was supernatural. And look what happens. The king, he instructed people to praise God before they fought. This is so counterintuitive to us because our tendency is to wait until our war is over before we worship God. We can so often think that thankfulness is a result 
and not a state of being. We think that, oh man, I'm not going to be thankful until this relationship issue is solved. Man, I'm not going to be thankful until I have X amount in my bank account or until they, they give me the, the pay bump at work or I get the promotion or maybe like I finish school. Or, and we're always just so focused on so many things that we say, when then I'm done with these things, then God, I can praise you. But the king understood something so amazing that we need to understand too because in God's economy, I'm sorry, God's economy is reversed. And he places the worshipers in front. He praises God before the battle is won. And look what happens in verse 22. When they begin singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Zer, who had come against Judah. So they were routed. For the sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Zer, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Mount Zer, they had helped destroy one another. So God confused the enemy to destroy and wipe one another out. He showed up, and their situations changed. And I love verse 22. Put it back up on the screen. It says, when they began singing and praising. And the NLT version says this. At the very moment, they began to sing and give praise. At the very moment that they began to sing and give praise, then the armies were confused. And they begin to wipe one another out. So today, what if we put aside our fear, our lust, our unforgiveness, our shame, our pain, our expectations, the financial issue, the sickness? What if we just put that aside for a moment? And we chose to be thankful. And we chose to worship. See, it's counterintuitive, but I believe it would make a great change because we can no longer let our have-nots sabotage our faith. The faith that if you and I hold on to, God will bring us to breakthrough. May not be in a way that we want, but breakthrough nonetheless. We need a change of mindset here today, attitude and heart direction. And the Israelites, though they were scared their eyes and their hearts were looking in the right direction. They had that connection with God to be led out of their situation. Because God gives us the grace to fight through our battles. So today, maybe you're sitting here like, all right, cool, like, be thankful. But here's the thing we need to realize. That living thankfully doesn't mean that you live in denial. Doesn't mean we ignore the bad or pretend it's not there. We just need to learn to praise through it. Why? Number one, God commands us to. It's not for our benefit, though. It's for, it's for, I'm sorry, it's not for his benefit that he, he commands us to praise him. It's for his glory that when we praise him, that it begins to supernaturally change things in us. There is something that happens when we praise God, though our situations are thankless, right? He begins to show up. Things begin to change. And, I, and here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying we start worshiping God and you, the, the, your bank account rises $100,000. I'm not saying that we, we come together and we start praising him and all of a sudden, like, ooh, I feel better. And I mean, can God do all these things? 
Absolutely. But more often than not, it's the journey that gets us from the beginning to the end of it. it it's that journey of, of a trial that God uses to grow us. So more often than not, he has so many different things in mind. But we just have to be proactive enough, aware enough, thankful enough to see it. And so here's what I want to drive home today. In the battle for our hearts, we need to realize this, that praising God produces thankfulness. And those who are thankful live full. Praising God produces thankfulness. When I praise God in my circumstances that I'm not so happy about, it creates thankfulness in me. And man, those who are thankful, you know you ever see someone who's just so thankful that it's almost like they have a fuller life. You're like, I hate you. You know, because they're like so happy all the time. And what if we begin to praise God and we begin to have our hearts grow, right? Man, maybe we wouldn't be so bitter towards those who are thankful because those thankful people, they live so much fuller, right? And today, the, the answer is praising God produces that. I was talking to my dad about this message. We were kind of, you know, he's like, oh, what are you speaking about? And we're going back and forth. He's an elder at a church around the corner, and uh, we were just talking about it. And he gave me this really cool idea, something, a perspective I've never heard of about Jesus. And, 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 and I'm going to share it the best I can. It's the Last Supper, you know, Jesus is sitting there, and, and he's breaking the bread, and, and the bread represents his body that is to be broken. The wine is to be represent the blood that would be shed. And, and as we read this, we read this, this verse all the time in communion. Maybe it's talked about during Easter, right? Good Friday. And there's one word that we always skip over. And I'm just going to put it up on the screen real quick. It's Matthew chapter 26, verse 27. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks? And maybe we read that and it sounds kind of vanilla-y, like, oh yeah, he's just thanking God for the food, right? Jesus knows full well what's about to happen to him. He knows he's about to take a cross. He knows that he's going to be beaten, spit upon. Flesh will be ripped from his back, and he is giving thanks. If I had to go through that, man, I would not be thankful. I would not, the night of, be giving thanks. Thanks. And the cup represents so much in that. The cup that he's, he took can also represent the cup of God's wrath that he was about to drink for you and for me. And see, here's the thing. Jesus trusted his father for what was to come. He models that throughout his ministry on earth. And that was freedom for you and freedom for me. And see, likewise, some of the things that we go through, ultimately, we can be thankful for them, even if they're really hard. Because we serve a God who, like Romans 8.28 says, he causes all things to work together for good. Do we trust him enough today that even in the bad things that we can't understand, that he can bring good out of it? Jesus did. And he rescued you and I. The question is, do we let him here today? Do we let him? If you're not a Christian here this morning or you're just checking out the faith, I hope you see this, this is the, that's the heart of the Christian message. That we are broken and we are flawed and Jesus came to pay for that. He was thankful to go to a cross to have the Father turn his back on him so that the Father didn't have to turn his back on you and me. 
Today, regardless of most faiths say, here's a list of commands, fulfill them, then you're loved. What Jesus says, hey, I can't, you can't fulfill those commands. I'm going to do it for you. And so today, if you are new to faith, or maybe you're just someone here today that needs to be reminded that Jesus is for you, that he loves you, that there is no sin in this room, small or great, that Jesus has not covered on that cross. And that's why you could be thankful here today. And know that he will guide you and lead you out of this. And it's important for all of us today to, in this battle against life and our hearts, to know that praising God produces thankfulness and those who are thankful they, they live for. And we've all, in closing, we've all walked into this room with many different problems and different situations. Some of us, a mixed bag, right? We can no longer choose to let those things set the temperature and the joy in our lives. can't. Because the key to winning the war outside of ourselves is letting God work on the war inside. The two things that we see was in thankless situations, turn your attention to seek the Lord. Second one is we need to remember what God has done for us. And some of you need to hear this challenge. And the challenge is this, enjoy today. Because there are gems to be found even in the hardest of seasons. So how do we do this practically? Just some quick things, some quick thoughts. Slow down. I mean, this is a crazy time of year. I understand that. But slow down. Spend time with your heavenly father. Aerate your frustrations with him. He can handle it. He commands us to. Come before him. Have some coffee. Sit down. Whatever you do, make a list, right? Slow down. And, and see, maybe you're saying, well, Andrew, this is just, uh, you know, understand I have so much overtime. I have to do this. I have to do that. And here, there's this one powerful word I have for you. It's the word no. Say no to some things to give you margin, to give you space. Man, no one at the end of their life says, man, I wish I worked harder and longer. I wish I spent more time stressing. So guys, the first thing before anything today is just slowing down. And maybe that alone would just help your hearts too. Talk to somebody today. Talk to a friend. Talk to someone you trust. Talk to someone who's wise. Maybe even professional, someone who's trained professionally. There's nothing wrong with that. If anything, that is so healthy. Last thing is get prayer at the end of the service. We have a prayer team that faithfully comes up here every Sunday that would love to pray with you about anything. We, we as a team would love to pray with you as well. We're here for you. And I want to end this message with a quote from my beautiful wife. She doesn't know about this, but it's at the end of her blog, and I think it's something that we should all focus on. A life with gratitude is a life well-lived because it is a life with awareness of the good in every situation. Today, may God guide your situations. And as you do, remember that praise in God produces thankfulness. And those who are thankful, they live full. Would you guys pray with me here this morning? Jesus, we come before you, God, and first and foremost, we thank you for Jesus who shed his blood and broke his body so that we can have peace this morning. That regardless of what we face in this life, there is a hope that outshines this life, that is faith, that is what you have for us on the other side, 
when we close our eyes for the final time and open them in eternity, God, that hope is so much greater than anything we could struggle with. And so we thank you first and foremost for that. But we thank you, God, that you are also the God that walks with us here and now. You are the God that teaches us things in tough circumstances. And God, we repent of the times that we've been so ungrateful that we weren't able to see the gems that you've hidden in our lives. I pray, God, for every person in this room, in this season, God, that we would be able to lean in and see what you're doing. God, that like you led the Israelites through that trial, God, that you would lead us. That we would know that as we praise you, that you would supernaturally change our situations, you would lift our eyes to where they need to be going, and that we would see breakthrough. So God, I thank you, Jesus, today that we have this opportunity in this room, but also outside this room to praise your name and see breakthrough. I pray, God, that you would give us the courage to respond to things we've heard today, that your blessing would follow. We thank you, Jesus, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you guys just stand with us one last time as we sing and close out?